HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's January 19th, 2016. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. We've got some great guests joining us tonight, including Joe DeChico from DeChico's Family Markets and Lars Dahlhouse from uh, Liquid Projects. We're also happy to welcome back our winner co-host, Ann Becerra. Hello. How you Thanks doing, Ann? me back. Oh, I mean, I'm cold, but I'm happy. So you just went to Jamaica, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you know, the only reason I came back was this show, so... Feel very, very honored. No, it's it's beautiful there, but it's great here. I keep telling myself that. It's been fun having you as the winter <laughs> coast. We had some great guests. You know, you sat in with the the Ken Brian Grossman show. That was pretty fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, that was fun. That was like, yeah, the first two shows were Garrett Oliver and Ken and Brian Grossman. So I'm just kind of sitting there, like, okay. You know, just like listening and taking it all in, but good times. Well, you're kind of a good luck charm, and again, thanks to our uh, sponsor, Beer. Uh, Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. And you can tweet us at Beer underscore Sessions. Maggie is tweeting live. So uh, a couple weeks ago, we were sitting down trying to plan out our winter schedule. And uh, you, you reached out to, uh, to Joe DeChico. And uh, yeah. you, you got him on the show. Tell us, tell us how you first met, met Joe and, and his cousin. And uh, tell us what you think about the Chico's markets up in Westchester. Well, it's funny. I've met them probably on and off for the last like six years here and again, you know, just kind of keep missing each other and haven't had a chance to really get that involved in any of their projects. But I just think it's really great. And I think anytime there are people that are such good champions for bringing good beer and, and good quality food and just this whole kind of joie de vie to other markets that don't always get access to it, you know, I'm, of course, 100% behind it. And I think they're killing it. Great job. Yeah, Thanks, welcome man. to the show, Joe. Thanks. Thanks for having me back, Jimmy. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we, we did a Westchester show about two years ago, and uh, yep. that's where we got to talk to you and, and Chris. Um, you know, I, I'm really interested in what you guys are doing, because you, you guys have like, family supermarkets. How many years have you guys been in business? So we've been in since uh, 1973, so we've been around, my quick math, 43 years, something like that. 40, 42 years, sorry. Nope, almost, well, 
2016. So, <laughs> that um, is hard. There you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've been in it a while. Um, but in terms of, you know, the, the whole beer program that we've been putting together, that really took off probably, you know, 2006 was the boom up in, I like, we like to say the boom up in Westchester. Um, and that was started with just having awesome, you know, beer selections on, on the shelf, but then also uh, curating growler programs and then eventually on-premise bars inside the stores, which was kind of crazy at the time when we started doing that. And, um, yeah, I mean, our, you know, our stores, they, um, you, we're, we're looking between 12 and 20 draft lines inside a supermarket. You're doing your shopping, you go grab a beer or wine and just hang out, create a nice little atmosphere, some, something different for everybody, so... Well, that's great. I could live there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I need. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. But um, that's pretty awesome. So you're, you're going to be part of our panel today, and we'll be tasting a lot of beers. And is it true that you guys are like the top retailer of, of craft beer in uh, in Westchester? There, definitely Westchester. We've we've uh, you know depending on how you feel about some of the the beer rating websites, we've been said you know top retailer in the, the country. You could say or uh, definitely New York um, in terms of uh, yeah beer retailers. So we've got some accolades to our name for sure. All right. Well, we get some great beers to taste, and, and we're going to talk to you more, Joe and Lars Dollhouse. Um, We've known you for years. You, you worked for a beer importing company before. You, you brought some right. great brands to us, including Ondex. Yeah. And uh, oh. we had a lot of fun with you. Oh, on that's the air. you? Yeah. That's I one used of my to. favorite. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I have that on right now, actually. He's got a great, he's a great pedigree. But what ice. you've done is now you've, you've kind of created your own import company. Essentially, yes. So um, after having run my own import company for six years from 2003 to 2009, I, I started working for St. Killian Importing. And uh, as part of my job there, I brought in Andex, I brought in uh, Traunstein and um, Roadhouse and some other really, really amazing brands. And, and I left uh, just to look for something on my own and started a company called Liquid Projects and uh, hooked up with a porterhouse brewery from Ireland, hooked up with five other breweries from Germany that were eventually that were in the process of bringing over, and we're also representing Fentimans on the East Coast. So uh, some amazing little projects in our belly, and I'm very excited to, to bring craft European beer over here in the same vein as some of the American craft brewers are seeing it, and, and we're, not, we're not building a massive mega brand or so, anything like that. We're just bringing really quality stuff over. And uh, Porterhouse really a great example of that uh, brewery, been existing in tw- for 20 years. And uh, we're celebrating that 20 years anniversary this year, uh, right now as a matter of fact. And uh, Barry, who's been involved with the brand for a couple of years, can talk a little bit more about that. Hey Barry, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. So, um, yeah, so basically I work for Francis Tavern, um, and we would be like the chief, I guess, uh, pourer of the Porterhouse beers in, in North America. Um, uh, the Porterhouse of Francis Tavern have been together for about four years, and I've been there for all that time. So uh, we've had some great success with the Porterhouse beers. Um, they've had a great success at home, so it's it's time now so to Francis take America. Francis Tavern, it's like probably the oldest tavern in New York City. Yeah, it, it, well, it, it technically is the oldest tavern, as in like it's it's been around since 1762. I mean, that's broken time. You know, after the American Revolution, it would have been used as the Department of Treasury and things like that. Whereas, you know, other bars maybe would have had, you know, a steady period of time where they remained open as taverns, you know. And then what happened? The porterhouse came in and, and took it over? Yeah, so it's about five, six years ago, the um, the owners of the porterhouse uh, were in New York for a weekend. They were having a drink and uh, they were in Francis Tavern. Uh, they heard that the tender was going out for a new bar to take over and do their thing. Uh, <laughs> and they put themselves forward. They won the tender. Uh, part of that deal was renovating and they did a really good job renovating, put a good good amount of time and effort and money into it. 
Um, and it's it's been a great success ever since. It's the most successful the tavern has ever been, actually, um, in its in its in its in recent history, at least. Anyway, no, it's great. You really changed it. I've been down there a few times, and yeah. and you got Richard here too. So tell us what, what you do because this is like a, a very interesting show we're Cheers, Jimmy, developing here. For uh, having me, um, yeah. So I kind of work for um, Porterhouse globally. I work down at Francis Tavern as the day job, and I also work for. Uh, Liquid Projects with Lars here, so I will be the uh, main New York sales rep for uh, Porterhouse Beers in New York City. All right. Hey, Joe, have you been down to Francis Tavern? I, I, I definitely am. Yeah, I've been down there. So it's, cool. yeah, it's a cool spot. I mean, it's just one of, the, one of the good spots to hit down when anytime we're in the city coming down from the, you know, upstate. So for have sure. you been there, Ian? Oh, I've been there a ton. They have a great beer. So it's not just Porterhouse. They have a ton of great craft beer, but also a really good whiskey list. Yeah, like we've got um, got over two hundred whiskeys. Um, our whole our whole kind of uh, idea is to support you know smaller producers. So like ourselves as in the Porterhouse beers, but also like American and um, both beer and whiskey producers and distillers and everything. That's what we're about, you know. So. Um, so that's why we've got a really eclectic kind of list of different whiskeys and beers from around America. You know, and I remember when I first tried Porterhouse, it was maybe it was probably six or seven years ago, and uh, it was presented as the, the the first craft Irish beer in America. So people were ready for that and, and interested. And I remember having it quite a few times. I had the oyster stout on draft. I know at Jimmy's number forty three. Um, tell us more about Porterhouse as as a brand. Yeah, I mean uh, Porterhouse really were they were part of the first wave of. Um, Irish craft brewers. They've been brewing beer as the Porterhouse since 1996. Um, that started off as a brew pub in the Temple Bar neighbourhood of uh, Dublin. And um, the drinking climate in Ireland at the time was such that the industry gave them six months tops to stay in business, brewing their own beer and trying to compete with Guinness, Heineken, Budweiser. And uh, yeah, they completely confounded all expectations. Um, They've won multiple awards for a few of their beers, Plain Porter, Oyster Stout. Uh, the Plain, which we're drinking right now, has actually um, won the gold medal in the Irish Dry Stout category at the um, International Brewing Industry Awards in Burton-on-Trent. So we like to always talk about yeah, how I'm we're refilling the, uh, my glass. officially the best Irish stout in the world. But yeah, it's a beautiful drop, and we are, uh, we're going from strength to strength. We're about to open a brand-new brewing facility in uh, North City Centre Dublin towards the end of the year so yeah I mean we, we're all fans of craft beer that's why we're here yeah I mean what was it I mean so just that 20 years ago in, in Dublin I mean what do you think made Porterhouse successful despite all the odds that's a good question I'm not sure I think um, it's craft was such an unknown quantity back then people were just used to drinking the same three beers. It's kind of a known thing in Ireland that Irish people are the most brand-loyal people <laughs> in the world. You know, you have a Smithick Stringer, he's going to keep drinking that for 20 years. So the fact as well, they opened their brew pub on one of the busiest corners in Dublin City. Obviously, they had a large amount of foot traffic, large volume. And, yeah, we just you couldn't buy Guinness or Heineken or anything in their pub, so people kind of have to try it. And that's the great thing about our beers. They are expensive and they're a bit of an unknown quantity in the United States. But as soon as people try them, they're sold instantly. Is there a good craft beer scene in Ireland now? It's starting to blow up now, yeah. Um, I mean, the Porterhouse were doing it since, well, they've been brewing it since 96, but they had a bar since 1989. That was really one of the first craft beer bars in Ireland. But I'd say, what would you say, Barry, like in the last two, three years, it's really exploded. 
Yeah, it's gone crazy and it's gone national. I mean, that's the big thing. It's not just Dublin. In fact, it's it's not even that much in Dublin. It's actually, you know, Galway, mm. Kerry. It's 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 down to sticks, as we call it, you know. Uh, and it's people brewing beer that they can be proud of. You know, that was the thing with Guinness. Before Guinness took over Ireland, every little borough, every little neighbourhood in Ireland had their brewery, you know. Uh, Guinness came in there and kind of took over. So now we're getting back to that in Ireland where, you know, you're going to have your neighbourhood beer that you're going to be proud of and you're going to drink and you're going to take around the world with you, you know. And, you know, we're seeing that now. You're starting to see more craft beers in, in New York, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's, it feels like we're starting to really uh, become a, a powerhouse in beer now. Joe and Ann, let's let's talk about this beer. So this is what, what beer is this again? The this Porterhouse the, uh, plain Porterhouse Plain Porter. This would be our flagship beer. It's our you know it's our Irish dry stout offering. So. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of this beer actually, and I I think it's a bit of a resurgence in the craft. I know it's fairly short lived, but in the craft beer community of the good sessionable you know solid beers that you can oh, drink exactly, a lot of yeah. and not fall off your stool. And I think that's something so easy to drink, but is still nuanced and very elegant. Um, it's good. I, I love this beer. And of course, it's a nitro pour too, right? Yeah, the kegs yeah. poured on nitro, it's really silky. And that's something that's very important to the guys, the owners, um, mm-hmm. Liam and Oliver, that they want their flagship beers to be something that, you know, as Irish people, when we go drinking, we like to have <laughs> minimum 10 pints. <laughs> so, Amen. yeah, it's something you can sit there all night with. It's great. I'm liking it. And Joe, what about you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's got the maltiness up front, and like you said, it just dries out nice. And I'm like, I just want to take another sip, keep drinking it, keep drinking it all night. So, so Joe, what, what kind of beers are you pouring? So I, I go to the – it's the Chico at Family Markets. Is that what it's called? Officially. So the Chico Family Market, we're, we're, we're a true family business. There's there's uh, started by my dad and two uncles. Um, so there's – a lot of us involved. So uh, the family, the, the umbrella, I say, was Tachico Family Markets. And then there's kind of um, me and my cousin Chris and his brother, who, who Chris, who's not here. Um, we kind of have our group of stores, Tachico and Sons, we call it. Um, so it's like two two groups of family. But, we, I mean, we all get along. We do what we can together. But, you know, the, the ownership kind of got split along the way. So, But, what, you know, so which locations do you have the craft beer bars in? Uh, the bars currently are Brewster... Um, Armonk and Larchmont, which just opened, opened in December. Yeah. So on, on just, uh, just I'm shopping there. I want to sit and have a beer. Uh, on tap, what what type of beers do you typically have? And would you have a porterhouse on tap there? Sure, we, you might see a porterhouse on tap there. Um, we try to offer something for everybody, so we're going to have pretty much all styles um, accounted for. So you're going to have a wheat beer, you have a, you have your pilsner, you're going to have or a blonde ale, you're going to have, you know, the way things are today, you're going to have five or six IPAs on. Um, uh, but you know we. Especially for for like a supermarket format, we we get into the geeky stuff too. So you're going to see you know a Hill Farmstead on or a Tired Hands or a Other Half or you know all the all these guys that are that are making the waves right now. So you're gonna, you're going to see some. There's something for everybody for sure. That's great, man. And Lars, as a you know you're you're a sales guy ultimately, and you're good at right. it. How do you how do you interact with someone like Joe who's got he's got buying power? He's he's selling a lot of craft beer. Well, I emailed him two weeks ago, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> not knowing that he was going to be here today. So I guess that was a good thing. Um, so you just have to come on Beer Sessions Radio. That's it. That's right. That's, that's how right. he got me, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll, do, we'll do the anatomy of the deal and, in the um, next session. And, and he and his markets do really well with the other brand that we, that we represent on the East Coast, which is Fentiman's. Fentiman's makes a range of non-alcoholic sodas and mixes, but we recently introduced an alcoholic ginger beer called the Fentiman Hollows. 4% ABV, all natural, gluten-free, vegan, all the, all the, all the great things. And um, that's something that I approach them with and uh, I think they can do extremely well with because it's such a approachable thing and um, 
it's not really a beer, it's more of a cider. But yeah. That's great. Hey, we're going to we're going to take a small break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's the middle of January. We're going to have an interesting show. Joe DeChico from DeChico Family Markets and Becerra. Ann likes beer. Hi, buddy. Hey, buddy. And uh, Lars Darhouse with his uh, new import project, Liquid Projects, and the guys from Porterhouse and Francis Tavern. So um, we're at the point where, where Lars was talking to Joe about Lars is trying to sell some products to Joe's store. Right. And uh, keep keep going, Lars. <laughs> okay, okay. So, I mean, the, the, really the strong pitch, army. Show the, pitch, strong the, the pitch was, was fairly simple. And as I just said, um, we're talking about Fentiman's. I'm trying to get the range of non-alcoholic sodas and mixes in there, but also make a push on the alcoholic ginger beer, the Phantom and Hollows, which is, is selling extremely well for us on the East Coast now. And uh, I think it's just a perfect match for, for your markets. Um, so, Joe, how, how do you buy beer? I mean, was there a process or you just you find beer and then you order it? Yeah, uh, I mean, for sure. Um, you know, luckily, we, we have such great distributor partners in, in New York, um, as you know, Jimmy. And... Um, what it comes down to, we you know over the years you develop a relationship with the with the breweries and you you know most most times you know what's coming out before before the distributors do or even the reps do so we we know when things are coming down the pipeline and yeah uh, you know beers and stuff gets presented to us but you know every store has a dedicated beer buyer and um, they know what they're looking for and what the tastes are so each store buys per store for, sure yes so it's not like you're going out and you're buying ten thousand cases of. A not, macro, not yet. No, I don't, I don't no, mention no. those brands. But. No way, not no, not anymore. Maybe back in the day, but not not anymore like that. Well, this is cool. So I know I know you're you're teaming up with a lot of breweries. Yep. So so you brought us what a, a crowler? Yeah. So one of the additional services you'll find in the store, uh, you know, we do we do you know beer by the glass. We do counter pressure growlers, glass growlers, but then we also do uh, we just launched the crowler system. So that's a 32 ounce can uh, fresh beer that we uh, you know we can in store. Um, so yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Something different. Um, it's uh, customers love it. It's a great impulse buy for them. 
So just so you, wanna, you can get a crowler to, to order on the spot. Exactly. So you like a beer, it's draft only, let's say, and you'd want to grab it, take it home, take it to the beach, take it on the, uh, the train if you're in Westchester. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great thing. It's been super positive for us. And, so yeah, it, and it keeps the beer better than a typical growler, which I really appreciate. Does it really? For sure. So it, it's a technology. How long have you had that system? Uh, maybe about a year. And it's, it's probably the oldest technology that exists. We, uh, all we do is um, we take the empty can. We do purge it with a little bit of CO2, just kind of getting the oxygen out. And then we're filling it off the tap, closing it up, and we have a canning machine tabletop that just crimps the seal along the top. And we label it, and you're on your so, way. So, and you think that's, that's better than just a growler? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't – you know, there's no exposure to light. Um, you don't have to open it. You know, obviously, you don't re, re- – seal it like you would a growler which you shouldn't do either but um yeah i think this is probably if you're gonna take draft beer home this is the most efficient and sort of well-kept way to do it in my opinion and joe so this is from what rushing duck so what we're drinking now is we did a collaboration with uh rushing duck um they're out of chester new york which is in orange county um so this is a it's a hobby berliner weiss which is uh that sour hoppy um, mix that's going on like that's that probably one of the one of the trendiest styles right now. So uh, it's low ABV, four I think four point three, dry hopped at El Dorado. Um, took the whole team up to to Orange County one day, brewed it, had a great time, shared a couple of beers. So do you do a lot of collaborations like that? Do a lot of collaborations. Um, like you kind of talked about before, buying power. I mean, not too many accounts. Um, you know, can brew a beer with a brewery and take 20, 30 kegs in one shot, pour them simultaneously in multiple locations, you know, sell it out fresh, do events around it. So it's something that's kind of unique to us and our model, and we love doing it. It's, I mean, it's just fun. It's fun. Yeah. So, so you do do that. You do some things across several stores as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And anything else coming up? I know last time you had, like, a cool bottle share night. Yeah, so, uh, I mean... <laughs> Ann missed that because she was what, in Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, if, if I'm dragging a little bit today, that's... Yeah, we ended pretty late last night, but we had our we did our uh, holiday bottle share, which um, every year we just we invite everybody in the beer industry, so we're in, you were invited, Jimmy. But, um, you know, reps, distributor reps, brewer, brewers, brewery reps, customers, bar owners, friends, and we just... I think the count I heard, which is not unofficial, was like 600 bottles last night were opened, so... Yeah. And you, and you guys, as as a big mover of craft beer, um, do you feel like you guys have a responsibility in, to the industry, or you feel like you need to, to showcase y- yourselves as leaders, or any any thought behind anything like that? Yeah, I mean, we're pretty humble about it. Look, I mean, we're, we're having fun. Um, we're just really passionate about beer, um, so we don't. I don't. I mean, it's. I think you know some retailers might look up to us or look for us to see what we're doing, you know, trend wise, but. Uh, you know, again, we're just passionate about it. We're, we're selling the beers we love. Our beer guys are selling beers they love, um, and they're really. I think they're really at the front lines because we're in a supermarket at the end of the day. So, you know, the mom shopping and she needs a beer. You know, she talks to the, the guy on you know that uh, work in the aisle, and we can convert them or we could upsell them to something cooler or let them try something off the tap. And I mean, that's what's fun for us at the end of the day. And do you think that? That what you're doing is going to be a trend. Do you think that more supermarkets are going to open bars in the middle of, of the supermarkets? Um, I think that's cool. It's good. <laughs> I love New York State. I, yeah. I love the New York State beer laws. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, if anything, I, I think, uh, and you see it definitely in the restaurant industry. It's I think people just want to drink in like a cool atmosphere. So whether it's a supermarket, whether it's a hybrid pizza joint, or a, um, you know like the markets now, you see they're like hybrid restaurants, eateries, stores that you see popping up all over New York. It's people you know they want something different than just same, you know, just the, the the typical bar bar scene, I guess. So, and Lars, for, for, so what I'm drinking right now, I'm drinking like a hoppy Berliner Weiss. For some reason, my palate says 
isn't this your alcoholic ginger beer? <laughs> because there must be something <laughs> similar. Sure. It's like sure. it's like there's some spice and there's sourness. What does Jahalo's right. ginger beer taste like? Well, the Hollow's ginger beer, we should, we, should, we should pop a bottle real, real quick. But um, Hollow's ginger beer is unique because it's based on pear juice. So imagine pear juice mixed with shredded ginger, and then it's boiled up, cooked, yeast added, and then fermented. So you have the, the, the natural, natural sweetness of the pear coming through, but then the sharpness of the ginger, which is mellowed out a little bit by the fact so that... So is it a cider or a soda? It's, it's a cider. Cider. So it's yeah, like a, it's a perry cider, yeah. A ginger perry cider. Exactly. And that's the original recipe of what um, uh, Fentiman's started making in 1905. It's a true perry? It's a true perry, yeah. Nice. So that's like kind of an English thing. It is. It's very like British. Spiked cider, yeah. ginger. Exactly. Can so, we taste it too? Yeah, let's get a bottle. Let's, let's crack it. Um, and can you grab one or? And, ask, and then Joe, now let me talk to you because so for you like you know because like with, with us in like a craft beer bar you know we only have a certain number of taps and and I I don't really go through that many different you know styles or breweries every year and I have my favorites but for you guys between what you're selling you know by the bottle and everything I mean you must have so many different categories I, I mean, are you open to doing these kinds of things you know hoppy ciders and 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 strong root beers and all these other things. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, especially when Lars emailed me <laughs> two weeks ago, it, it's really an easy sell because we see it. And I mean, don't forget, at the end of the day, we're a supermarket. So on the grocery side, uh, the, you know, the gluten-free category, the celiac, uh, celiac, uh, you know, intolerance, the ciders have just exploded for us. And we do focus on a lot of, uh, you know, natural, organic, allergen-free uh, products in the store on the grocery side. So, it's it, it just makes a lot of sense for especially the cider category for sure. I remember like in the late 1980s, early 1990s, there was this like huge growth of, of New York City delis that on the corner would have like they'd say we have 400 beers. And uh, how many how many different beer beers do you carry in your typical store? <laughs> we we might have had that one of those signs too by the way probably <laughs> probably back then. Uh, now. Uh, you know, I, I think like our Brewster store, maybe around three thousand, something like that. And it, it's not, so, you know, it's funny because you tell a real beer person, ah, oh, three thousand beer, you know, they might roll their eyes because um, it's not. What? Well, how do we keep it fresh? How do we? Keep Who's it? rolling their eyes? Not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not with that kind of volume, you're yeah, it's, fine. It's true, right? And that's what I would tell them. So, um, uh, yeah, so about three thousand at the most, and then it, you know, at the top. Is is that a lot? I mean, for Lars, you as you as a sales guy, I mean, if do you feel like? You're going to be able to place in something like Chico's because you know he's going to carry everything. It's it's definitely a place that we want to be in. We we must be in, and uh, it's a place that we can convincingly send people to to consistently find our products. So it's a it's a great place for us to be at, and and also see who else is out there. Right? We want to be uh, among the best beers, and that's the best place to be at. And Richard, so you're out there as a sales guy. How, how do you walk into a a, a supermarket or you know, a bar, and, and what's your approach? Well, the Hollows is very easy. As Lara said, you know, it's uh, gluten-free, it's vegan-friendly, the ingredients are all natural, and sweetened with cane sugar. So it takes every fad dietary restriction you're, you need there. You know, flies out in Brooklyn, as you can imagine. Um, I mean, it's, it's just a delicious drop. It's very easy drinking. It's uh, versatile. You can drink on its own over ice. It makes a great cocktail mixer. For like a dark I and see stormier. That. I could actually see it on ice right yeah. now. That would be a more kicking meal. I personally like it. A little bit of ice, a few dashes of Angostura. It's beautiful. 
And works Maybe great. Maybe some vodka. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> works mm-hmm. great. Could be like am. a Fentiman's mule, right? That's yeah. right. That would be good. Barry, what, and at Francis Tavern, w- would you sell this? Yeah, yeah, we People sell it. it. Um, like, honestly, uh, for, for us, um, it's an easy sell again. You know, any of these products are, are easy. One got good ingredients. Um, I think that like that myth that beer is bad for you or that alcoholic drinks are bad for you is is gone. People realize that you know too much is bad for you, but like you know an alcoholic drink isn't necessarily bad for you. It's got good ingredients. It's nutritious. Uh, you know a healthy dose dose of ginger is good for your stomach and all that. You well, that's know what I was going to say. It's a it is a great. Hangover cure yeah. for that reason. <laughs> like, Low ABV. How are you doing with that, Joe? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I need another, uh, another yeah. bottle. I think we need more. Yeah. Hey, let's spices. go back to the, the culture in Ireland. So, growing up, when, when did you guys start drinking and it was considered okay? Uh, it's considered <laughs> by your mother or by your friends. I would say by your mother or by your friends. Separate, separate categories. Well, I, honestly, um, like the legal drinking age in Ireland is eighteen. Um, I'd say most people as it should about, be in the US start about 16 I would imagine yeah most people start about 15, 16 in, in fact my first fake ID uh, one of my friends mother has made it for me um, <laughs> so that, that will give you an indication you know and even the police force in Ireland it's very relaxed you know and you know there is a, a certain amount of hijinks allowed yeah, a bit of a you know devil may care kind of behaviour as a kid in Ireland because of that you know so I think we've got a healthy relationship with alcohol uh, That's a great a line. Grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I need that on a T-shirt. You like that, Anne, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and wh- what about you? And for this, uh, so the the hollows, the the, it's it's not really a ginger beer. It's like a it's like a ginger pear cider. This is this is essentially what a ginger beer should be. Uh, uh, most American breweries interpret a ginger beer based on malt, and they add a lot of ginger to it and call that a ginger beer. But traditionally, the first people that came out with it used pear. There are other alcoholic ginger beers out there that use uh, grapes, for example, which is a lot cheaper as a base. Pear is essentially the most expensive base you could you could find. So would you would you carry this? Yeah, we could carry. I mean, it's funny. I was actually yeah. <laughs> That's all I can say because again, the gluten free thing is huge. Um, ciders are kind of having their second. I guess coming in the U.S. Right. and everyone's excited to try new and different ciders and an experiment. It's great as a cocktail mixer. I mean, there's several uses. I could totally have this. I could see doing like a vodka mule with it, you know? Yeah, or a dark and stormy. Joe, any trends that you're seeing? Because as, as a big buyer, you must you must see everything that's moving. I always judge by what, what moves. When, when I see if it's a new brewery, if, if it moves faster than something else, then I know that people like it, even if I don't can't judge that up front. I mean, are you seeing any new trends or new breweries that people uh, should know about? Um, we uh, we had this discussion actually the other day, uh, Chris and I. Um, it seems just like uh, this whole there's a fascination with um, we're gonna call it like a social media trend. Like if you're if you're a brewery and your can photographs well, <laughs> that they, there's this this following of and I'm not gonna name any breweries and not the, not the beers are bad. Don't get me wrong, but that's like the trend right now is like this social media. It creates this demand where it's you know, uh, and 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 we're seeing in the stores where we're getting these breweries that we have to limit. We're, we're limiting customers one can per person, so it's it's crazy. So that's one thing that we're seeing for sure. Um, and how do you limit them one can per person? We're, we're signing up behind the bar, and you know they're usually okay with it, and it's, yeah, that's how it is. So wow, have you ever had a, a really big drop of something? Like let's say someone was bringing Russian River to New York. And they would only sell it into Chico's. And would you sell it out in one day or something like that? Uh, what a true story <laughs> is um, when West Flatiron was released uh, one time two, three years ago. North of Manhattan in New York, we were the only account to get it. So they, they, Sheldon Brothers was really cool, and they, they 
about a pallet or two they sent to the store. So Brewster did sell it out in one day. Um, and people were driving from all over the place. How many bottles did you let each person buy? It was a one. It was a six pack with like a. It was like a gift pack, six bottles and I think two glasses, something like that. Um, and uh, it retail. I forget the retail. It was like eighty five, like something like that. And but under the under the strict instructions of the price point, and honestly, it was a wash for us. So we didn't even you know there was no markup on it to be honest. So that was a crazy day. That was that was a busy day for us. Sounds like a fun day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, um, guess what? Heritage Radio Network is, is a great organization. I'm so proud to be one of the over 30 shows on it. Um, there was a great fundraiser, and you should check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. Become a member if you're not, and you can get cool things like tote bags and T-shirts and everything. I might be uh, missing the latest campaign, but it's always a good time to join as a member, right? And we're, we're very proud to be on this network. Got a great show today. Amber is on. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Oh, yes, this is a great show, and it's going to be a great <clears throat> tasting session now because we're all trying to. So you're going to try to impress Lars Dahlhaus, yeah. who's imported many beers, and Joe DeChico, who's <laughs> selling more beer than you or I ever will. So. Yeah, agreed. I'm trying to impress them. He and, likes uh, that he's smiling. And hopefully <laughs> it works because I saw all the bottles that were shared last night and got really jealous, so I figured we'd have our own here. Um, so this is, yeah, this so is. So said there was a, a bottle share last night at what? DeChico's. Where was it? It was actually uh, really, uh, the Oath in, in Tarrytown. So awesome craft beer bar. It's about a year old. A uh, good friend of ours, uh, Joe Vichidami, Joe. owns it. Yeah, you know Joe. He also owns with the Craftsman and Craftsman Harrison. Harrison right? Yep, yep, yep. So he's running the Oath and uh, closed down the place just for us. And we, we went at it for a couple hours. And That's great, man. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, we, we were up there with you guys about two years ago. We, we did a Westchester show. Re- and and yep. I was really, really proud of that show because – you know, it was the first time I was really up in Westchester drinking beer, and great, great place. Craftsman's great. You guys have deep knowledge of beer, so congratulations Thanks, on Jimmy. what you're doing, man. All right. So, Ian, tell us about this beer. Okay, so this beer I've had for you know, three years or so. It's from Lawson's Liquids, and we're talking about, you know, things that people line up for and go nuts for. It's a very small bottle. This is their Maple Barrel-Aged Basin Maple Imperial Lawson's Stout. Lawson's Finest la, 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 la. in Vermont, right? Yes, wow. so Lawson's Finest Liquids. It's um, a bourbon barrel-aged. It's, it's an imperial stout with a ton of maple syrup, dark maple syrup from Vermont, aged in bourbon barrels that... Um, what is this like a? Wait, wait, I hope six, you, I hope you can take a picture, a picture of that and post it on your your, your I Facebook. I will. I will Twitter, actually. And this is bottled. It's a real small bottle. Yeah, it's, it's like, a really small bottle, and it's a hand labeled bottle, uh, number eighty four of ninety six made and signed by Sean. It's a really really what, great. What size is that bottle? I've never seen a bottle. <laughs> I haven't either. Six point three ounces. A six point three. So ounce. we're getting rations. Have you ever seen a bottle like that before, Joe? <laughs> Actually, I think Fentimans comes in at what nine point three. Nine point three. So, okay, yeah. so close. Not not, not exactly. But. <laughs> 
But this is brilliant. Have you guys ever seen a bottle this size? I mean, this is like the most, no, yeah. the smallest bottle I've ever seen of beer. Well, yeah. Well, we had one. Of, we had a smutty nose beer a while back. That was the oh, same. Oh yeah, the smut labs doing uh, that. But yeah. that's the thing with these small, especially the barrel age. You know, they had one barrel of it. That's it. And so, in order to get, like, he gives one can per person. You know, in order to get the most, I guess, exposure and the most people to enjoy it. It just makes sense to bottle yeah. it this way. Just talking about supply and demand, like I mean, it's gone crazy now. You know, uh, if you want a beer, you, you it, to try and get it is just a, such a full time job, and it's just it doesn't last. It's gone like within a within a day, it's gone. You know, I, I love this. What do you guys think of this beer? Oh my goodness, Phenomenal. I just tasted it. Yeah, this is exceptional. Got about three years on it. Uh, not this was bottled not in 2011. I want to say, uh, yeah, January of 2011. So. The fact Almost that this has held years. up this wow. well. Five years? Yeah, yeah. five years exactly. It's and it, it's held up so Joe, well. Joe, do, do you guys have a vintage beer program? Have you ever thought about doing that? Uh, you know what? Uh, we kind of used to, but the rate that things sell now, it's... Actually, no, I should, I should say we do. So there's certain beers that uh, we're going we're gonna to hold a case or two in the back, and then we're going we're gonna to bust out. Off the top of my head, let's bet all of the brewery um, from California, that the, the anniversary series, Christmas series, stuff like that, we'll hold, off, we'll hold and do verticals for customers. So, yeah, absolutely. Vintage program for sure. That's great. And what about you, Lars? I mean, are there any breweries that you import that that, that possibly have vintage beers that you might release at some point? Well, there, there is actually a brewery that we, we just turned up with. Uh, with. It's called the Zollerhof Brewery from all the way south in Baden-Württemberg, which is close to Switzerland and everything. They make a beer called a Donator that's in the tanks for over 50 weeks before it's bottled. And not too many beers are treated that way. Is that a Doppelbach? Not, it is a Doppelbach. Donator. Yeah. Donator, because mm-hmm. it, it runs along the Danube River. The town runs along the, the Danube River. And just spectacular beer. We've actually had one keg on draft at Francis Tavern. Yeah, yeah absolutely it, flew out as lasted well. about a day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we, 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 this is why I started Liquid Project, because I wanted to have fun with stuff like that. And I can totally imagine us also putting aside a few bottles like that, high-gravity products. And just and just leave it there for a year or two or three, and um, get into the market. Then I think that's definitely something that that, that bigger retailers and, and uh, distributors can do. Mm-hmm. A lot Absolutely. of the small bars. I mean, I, I sometimes try to, to to sell or something, but if a customer asks for it, and I only have a case. I'm, yeah. I'm going to sell it. You know. So right. um, for you guys, so what, what's the next beer that we're drinking? This is this is this is a nice change of pace. Yeah, I, 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 I like the, I like the ginger beer, whatever you call it. But <laughs> I, I'm I, I am kind of a purist, and, and and I do like traditional styles of beer. So what we're drinking now is um, we're known as uh, Brain Blaster. It's a strong <laughs> copper ale, kind of like a high ABV um, English style bitter. The name is actually pronounced more like on Brand Blaster. It's an Irish phrase that means the lovely drop, but. Um, that became colloquially Brain Blaster because of, as far as I'm aware, a lot of uh, Spanish university students who are uh, on Erasmus coming into Porterhouse and seeing it and seeing the high ABV, which in the you know macro-dominated era was something that was very hard to find in Ireland is, as well. Is this like a winter warmer, or this is something is um, similar to a winter warmer? Yeah, yeah. And so they saw the Brain Blaster and just wanted to get their brains blasted, I suppose. So, yeah, it's a big, big seller for Porterhouse. It's kind of blasting my brain. So I, <laughs> and what did you say the ABV was? I'm sorry. ABV. It's, uh, it's 7, 7%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I love that that's a brain blaster mm-hmm. in Ireland because yeah. that's a session beer sometimes <laughs> yeah. here. But I yeah, love exactly. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because we were so macro dominated for so long, the Porter has a great IPA um, that still does very well back home called Hophead. 
Uh, it's only 5.3 ABV, and it's very like an English-style IPA. It's uh, got a much stronger malt backbone. It would come across like a light pale ale to the US right. market. Um, we're just saying it's a lovely beer, but we couldn't release Hophead in the US. Not though. as an IPA. No, no, definitely not. So you guys are definitely targeting w- what you think of as the American palate. Um, well... No, I think no. the no. opposite of it. No, the opposite yeah. of that. The opposite yeah. of that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think the IPAs are going to translate well um, over here just because that American palate expects a much higher ABV, um, much more astringency and assertiveness from an IPA. But definitely our stouts and our nitro beers, our red ale, um, so that's something that I don't think is very... It's hard to find over here, especially a nitro red. There is not a ubiquitous right, the, beer style The red ale that we import is, is very unique. It's also a uh, nitro stout. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's uh, The guys at Brewer like to call it the uh, like the fruit and nut beer. Um, mm-hmm. So we use uh, caramel malt, crystal malt. It has a beautiful caramelly flavor to it. Um, mm-hmm. Very smooth drinking. For like a complex enough beer, it's very populous as well. It's something that anybody can enjoy. Joe, do you guys have any nitro lines at, at your uh, in-store pubs? Uh, not permanent. We, we we do convert once in a while if need be for an event and stuff like that. Because uh, we do draft wine that runs nitro. So if in a pinch, we'll flip stuff around and and uh, you know throw throw a beer on for sure. And what about and with the places that you're working? Now? Yeah, at Taproom we have uh, four out of forty lines are nitro. What, so we're you, always rotating. What do you typically have on? Like what styles on the nitro lines? It, whatever we can get. I mean, that's what's so great is a lot more breweries now are doing their version of their even their standard beers on nitro you know founders make centennial on nitro now and you know, there's a lot of great cream ales and stouts and and uh fruit beers i mean everything so i think it's fun that we're able to rotate after every keg but yeah porterhouse definitely makes appearances i mean it's always kind of confounded me i mean i i pretty much try to stick with like a stout or a porter on nitro what is the appeal of nitro uh, as a style compared to like typical draft line well um I mean, for from an Irish perspective, I, I guess it goes with that whole session, you know, drinking point of view. Like there's less carbonation, less of that prickliness that you get from carbonation. So you can drink it pretty fast. You can get a lot of them into you, you know. Um, <laughs> and in Ireland, that's a big, you know, drinking factor, you know. Oh, um, yeah, volume. Yeah. yeah, like we actually have eight nitro lines in uh, Francis Tavern. Um, at the moment, we're carrying a nitro IPA, a nitro wee heavy, um, a nitro milk stout, a nitro porter, a nitro. Are they all porterhouse beers? No, they're you not. Other beers they're too. not. Yeah, we 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 have the full range. We're actually doing a whole nitro thing at the moment, but they they we they're very popular with the customers, you know. Um, and I think the, the American palate isn't really used to nitro beers because it's not apart from Guinness, you know, there's no American nitro beer. You know, obviously, the milk stout has come on an awful lot in the last five or six years, but from left hand. Um, but uh, yeah, we find a, a big audience for nitros, much more so than real ale. So, so I was going to say, you know, we have casks as well at both yeah. of the places, and I think that the bigger that gets, and the yeah. more people understand that mouthfeel and that level, yeah. the nitros uh, are kind of taken off a little more. I think from our perspective, the nitro is a good intro to the real ale <laughs> because oh yeah, I guess so yeah yeah that because people too. have a problem with the temperature of a real ale and the fact that it doesn't have carbonation. You know, th- that's a great point. I was actually going to ask you, maybe this is for another show. Does anyone know the history of nitro? Um, I know in Ireland, um, uh, Guinness used to be served unrefrigerated in Ireland, you know, and as far as I know, the history of, of nitro is Guinness. Um, so you would go down to the countryside in Ireland and you would get a beer at room temperature and that's still, you can still get that. So, you know, if you were to sell a beer right now at, at room temperature without gas being added to it, it's going to come in like a real ale without that much carbonation. 
And I think nitro came out of that, where refrigeration had come in. People wanted a cold beer, but they didn't necessarily want that carbonation. Yeah, I mean, I, what I know, I think we're going to do a show about this. What I know is that Guinness developed the nitro system so that their, their beers could be shipped around the world and yeah. they would be consistent. So what my understanding is that nitro is an industrial version of real ale. So you're, you're right by what you said. Okay. That, yeah. that nitro is almost a, an well, intro in, to real ale. In texture and in theory, I guess in concept. Mm-hmm. I don't want Alex Hall to come in and start. No, I think, I think, I think that's a whole other show. But <laughs> there's someone out there that's going to write it, and they should, because the we, we, we did some, with, with, with just Googling, you can look at you know Guinness inventing the nitro system. It was the way that they would take the inconsistencies of a real ale and uh, turn into something that could be shipped. You yeah, know, that around makes the world, yeah, so yeah. it's another reason why I don't. I'm not a fan of it because I feel like it was, they took what what you know they they tried to co-opt you know this weird system, and that's another show. But I don't know, Joe. So don't you don't put any nitro in. Don't don't give uh, into it. No but, more nitro. But then we'll get the real. But that's another show too. We've had some great real L shows. We've had some great shows on, and Lars too. I mean, you, you know, looking at the, the German style of beers. I mean, I've had yeah. a lot of gravity. I'm a fan of gravity. Gravity counter. You know, right. uh, casks in Germany. There's a great tradition of fresh beer. You know, oh, of course, the, the fresh area cast that, put on a bar. The area that I'm from, uh, I'm, I'm right in between Düsseldorf and Cologne is where I grew up, and you have uh, the Kölsch and the Ald, and both are, if you go to those big uh, brewery brew pubs, they're all gravity pours. Uh, they just put the big wooden barrels on the, on the, on the bar, and it comes right out. It's fresh so, beer. Very fresh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's a beauty. So last thing, let's wrap up the show. Uh, gentlemen, say a few words about something that we've talked about. <laughs> and, uh, Why don't you rap for us? While we'll you're drink here. more of your brain blaster. Yeah, super. Um, yeah, well, we'll just uh, tried a few of our beers. There's a lot more um, Port Ayas beers out there that we're going to be bringing to the U.S. market. As I said, our red ale is phenomenal. Uh, the Oyster Stout. Um, I think a lot of people have heard of that one in the industry. Uh, it's a beautiful, um, again, it's an Irish dry stout like the plain, but it's a little smoother, sweeter. Freshly shucked oysters added to the brew tank, so it has a minerality and brininess that I've never tasted in a beer before. And uh, yeah, the new brewery coming later this year. It's exciting. We're looking to triple our capacity. So yeah, big things to come for us in uh, All right. Well, the cheers US to Irish craft beer, man. All right. Cheers. Barry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, just representing Francis Tavern. Uh, so yeah, come on down. We're selling those porterhouse beers. Um, we got a big, uh, a big beer list, big whiskey list. Um, so what's online tonight? I'm, I'm, I want a good beer. What should I get? Uh, well, you don't like nitro, so uh, you can get lost. High <laughs> 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 no, right. uh, We've got the Grim, uh, the Cloud Busting. Uh, we have that on Phenomenal at the moment. Really, 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 really good. Really. The Grim, you just can't keep in the house at the moment either. Um, we have, I mean, we have the the Nitro uh, Oscar Blues that we heavy. The old Chub is selling really well. Um, Flying Dog Bloodline Nitro. Yeah, the Bloodline Nitro IPA is really good. Um, yeah, we got some great stuff uh, from Stone. Actually, we're doing a Stone Top Takeover oh, at the yeah, moment. Oh yeah, I have so. that on too. The Shaka Yeah, we have the Sorry Not Sorry, which is like brewed with peaches. It's beautiful. It's really good. We're definitely going downtown to Francis. And Lars? Well, I'm looking forward to coming projects. back here and, and showing you some other liquid projects, literally. Uh, bring some, some of the unique Germans that I'm bringing over. And so I can't wait to share those. Looking forward to that. And Joe? Thanks for having me back, Jimmy. It's always a pleasure just talking, talking beer and, and having a good time. Um, Love coming down to the city, coming down to Brooklyn, and you know, just like repping, you know, Westchester and the Hudson Valley and everything we got going on up there. So, appreciate. It. Come check out the stores. We'd love to have you back up. Thanks, man. Yeah, you know, it's always funny when when at my bars when people come in and they're like, 
oh yeah, you know, I live in Westchester or, you know, fill in the blank town and, and they're so proud and so excited where they get all these great beers at, you know, their local st- supermarket or their local stores. And it's like, it's just so nice to know that once you leave a big metropolitan area, not like Westchester isn't, but all over the country that people are still there on the front lines, you know, supporting these great small breweries and and really good craft beer. So right All right. On. Well, you guys have been great. A couple of events, shout outs. Uh, coming up, uh, there's a thing called Liquid Lent, Drink Like a Monk. A number of East Village and Lower East Side bars uh, are doing a full month of Lent that will, we will feature, uh, you know, either Belgian or Belgian style beers. You know, all, all month and uh, some like big shout outs to ABC Beer Company, Malt yeah. Mold, Eastwood, Proletariat, and Jimmy's Number Forty Three in Burp Castle. Check it out, Liquid Lent, and then New York City Beer Week's coming up, February nineteenth uh, for a whole week. A lot of great things happening. Really proud with with how that that has grown. Uh, kick it off uh, with our show. We'll have a live show uh, February 19th on Heritage Radio Network at 12 noon. And then at night, go to your favorite craft beer bar in New York City and probably in Westchester, too. You can do a simultap and taste some of the special smash all, all New York State hopping beers, uh, malt beers that are being made by some of the New York City breweries. So a lot's going on. And then, of course, our, our special event every year and annual on, on the committee now. Uh, the yeah. New York City Brewer's Choice is February 24th. Please check it out and support it, <laughs> NewYorkCityBrewersChoice.com. We put a lot into that every year. That's a fun and, one. And uh, we're trying to support all the great brewers that we know. Thanks to our guests. we got Joe. Everybody say their name again one more time. Joe DiCicco. Laura Stahlhaus. Barry from Francis Tavern. Richard Stokes. Ambassador. Ambassador. <laughs> Thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. All right. Thanks. All right. Have a great one. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye. <laughs> Woo. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.